The 7th of July, a Friday, and welcome to Damon Bruce Plus. We're going to take a little trip around the sports world, but we have to. I mean, absolutely have to start in Las Vegas. Um, welcome to America, Victor Webinyama. I, I really mean it. You're officially in it now, up to your eyeballs. Uh, of course, the Summer League. Of course, the NBA would start with a Frenchman's security team. Just happens to be the number one pick in the draft possibly physically assaulting Britney Spears. Find me a more NBA-worthy headline than that, I dare you. First of all, Major League Baseball, you would never. I mean, the NFL wouldn't even think of that. That's only the NBA right there. <laughs> okay, so good news. Britney's okay. Leave Britney alone. Britney's okay which is very good. We don't want anyone assaulted or hurt or roughed up or pushed or anything like that. And Victor Webinyama has already got it down. The whole, like, man, I didn't even see her. I don't know. Like, you're going to be fine in the NBA if you keep on uh, going about your business like that. Here's my question. How is Britney Spears walking around the Aria so unencumbered due to the lack of her own security detail that she can just walk up to anybody? You figured that Britney Spears would literally be surrounded and flanked by like six security people at all times. Or is she just not that famous anymore? Or or maybe Victor Webinyama didn't spot her because every girl walking around Las Vegas is trying to look like Britney Spears. So they all just kind of blend in together. I don't know what the hell's going on there. But my word, my word. Um, look, it, I guess they've already done the investigation. No charges are going to be pressed. Nothing like that. And every, every, everyone's going to walk away. No worse for the wear here, which I guess ultimately is good because we can get back to the business of basketball before basketball even starts in Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, Victor Webinyama's security team maybe roughing up Britney Spears is... It's fantastic NBA action. Unbelievable. Seriously, unbelievable. Um, uh, just just a, a staggering story to begin the summer league. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm surprised it happened, and there are roughly one million security cameras. Whatever really did happen, it's on tape. When are we going to get that tape? TMZ, get on it, all right? How bad was this? How roughed up did she get? I mean, what really happened? And why, Britney Spears or not, why would Victor Webinyama's security team be that worried about a, what, five foot eight, 130 pound woman? I, I just don't understand where the sense of urgency to protect Victor overcame his entire security detail as he's just walking to dinner. It ain't easy being famous. And I guess Britney Spears found that out the right way, too. The only way this story could be more 2023, I guess, is if, like, Taylor Swift had been involved. Britney is a little bit more of the then than she is of the now. But we're not holding that against her. Go, Britney. We're on Team Britney over here. Uh, definitely on Team Trace Jackson Davis over here. I think that that's well spoken for. And let me tell you, if indeed tonight he makes his NBA Summer League debut, I'm going to be glued to that TV like it's a playoff game. I can't wait to see him. I hope he's going a uh, tight hammy kept him out of the California classic up in Sacramento. Um, look, if you're going to Vegas, the best thing you can do is play with house money. You can't lose. And I really, I, I just look at where Trace Jackson Davis 
was drafted. I look at what the Warriors need, and I just think it's house money. Like, they can't lose with this kid. I really think it's going to work. God, I hope I'm right about this. I hope I'm not wrong about this for multiple reasons. Forget about my own credibility. That's, that, that, that's got nothing to do with it. I really want it for him. I want it to work for him. And I also want the clear message sent that everyone in the NBA who claims to know what they're doing might not know what they're doing if they let someone as good as Trace Jackson Davis coming out of college just fall all the way to the back end of the second round. To me, the whole drafting process was ridiculous that he had to go through. And I do. I, I hope he just unleashes uh, some anger on summer league. I, I, I don't know if trace Jackson Davis is going to be a great NBA player in year one. As a matter of fact, to be safe to bet. No, he won't be great. Trace Jackson Davis should be a great summer league player. That's basically a glorified college all-star semi-pro game. And trace Jackson Davis should do well in that. So hopefully he goes. And if he does, we will be uh, breaking in live tonight with a little Trace Jackson postgame uh, for Mr. Davis hash hyphen. Uh, we're we're going to be in. We're going to be in tonight if this is actually his summer league debut. Just thinking about the NBA, I can't help but think that this is one of Steve Kerr's biggest years as a head coach. I mean, obviously, he's got titles and pelts on the wall. He's not reapplying for a job or anything like that, but he's nearing the end of his current contract with the Warriors. And this is just a, a window that is closing on the franchise and time is running out and everyone knows it. And Steve has to double down on capturing, recapturing a sense of urgency, which let's face it was nowhere to be found on the golden state warriors in last year's regular season. They have a sense of urgency with a lineup that due to its age, I don't think it's unfair to, to, to bill it as delicate, you know, load management. I hate those words, but managing some loads is what Steve and his training staff is going to absolutely have to do to get this team to its finish line, healthy and ready to actually play playoff basketball. Steve has two rookies who must be folded into the mix properly for this to really fit, for it to fit from a future cap standpoint. Um, you know, Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis need to not turn into nothings. They need to turn into somethings. And then he needs a big year three step forward for Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, the last remaining embers of the youth movement that never happened. These guys really got to step up and contribute. And that has been one of this franchise's blind spots. I'm not going to say it's just Steve's blind spot, but it's this coaching staff, this front office's blind spot. The Warriors need to be in win tonight mode as often as possible. Again, it's hard to sell urgency in an NBA regular season. I get that. But the urgency should be available for Steve to sell because he can point at the end of the road. He can see it coming. The entire Warriors basketball team is led by a core group of players that are smart enough to understand that their life cycle isn't in the beginning or in the middle. It's at the end. 
So you got to reestablish that sense of urgency. And this is where I think Kerr needs to pull on the strings delicately and carefully and make it happen. He's got Draymond back to being a vocal leader. I expect Draymond to be in full plumage as soon as the year begins. You got a GM now here who I'm not saying he is uh, filling the, the war chest with players that Steve wants to play, but he's definitely removed from Steve's war chest players he didn't want to play. So if you're going to have bodies on a bench, they should be conceptually available to the head coach. It feels like they're moving in the right direction from that standpoint. So that feels like good news. It's a big year for not just the Warriors and their players, but it's a big year for Steve Kerr. It's year 10 for Steve Kerr. You know, Bob Knight once said, about 10 years anywhere, your voice starts losing power in any locker room. And this just happens. It's the natural course of a coach's life cycle. And now, obviously, Bobby stuck around a lot longer in Bloomington than 10 years. But here it is. Number 10 for Steve. Four titles on the wall. Looking for a fifth. Has a team that some people think could be built to do it. Others are very skeptical of if they stay healthy, which is about as big of an if as you can put in front of, you know, Chris Paul. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating journey. I can't wait for it to get underway. And in a really odd way, it feels like even though the California Classic has happened and we've seen some really nice performances up there, Trace Jackson Davis needs to join the mix. This needs to happen in the summer league for us to really say, hey, we're underway in a new year here, and it's going to be late October before you know it. Like, we're going to be playing basketball that matters again before you know it. That offseason just goes by quickly. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors. Once and again, I just need to let you know how delicious everything you're ever going to order from Ike's is going to be. It is the best sandwich you're going to run into today, tomorrow. If you can go back in time, it's the best sandwich that you were going to run into yesterday. It is delicious. What is it? Basically, whatever you want it to be. What's your name? Whatever you want it to be. But that's what the dirty sauce gets you. That's what the Godfather sauce gets you. It goes well with anything. Whatever flavor you might be thinking of, they can meet it at Ike's. Go ahead and get yourself an Ike sandwich. The combinations, uh, the sandwiches, are, are they, they, they go to infinity, basically. So get yourself an Ike's. If not today, this weekend, you'll be happy that you did. If you're thinking about a little burger time, get yourself a burger from Uncle Boy's in the inner Richmond Balboa and fourth delicious San Francisco born and bred burgers right off the grill, baby. And do not forget the onion rings. Do not forget the lumpia. Do not forget the lumpia. And don't forget the booze on the way home on a weekend. I saw some people in the chat trying to have an over-under on bottle pulls today. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to hit the under uh, we're, we're going to have zero bottle pulls today because Damon's got a couple of things to do. Look at me going third person. Your friendly host today here on the Plus has a few things to do which are going to prevent him from uh, pulling from any bottles of blackened whiskey today. But tonight, maybe as I'm hopefully watching Trace Jackson Davis make a little debut in Las Vegas, eh, rocks glass, blackened whiskey, boop, 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 boop. Happy boy. 
Happy girls. Everyone who's picking up a bottle of black and seems to be very, very happy that they did find out why. When you're at a BevMo, wherever you pick up your bottles of booze, you go ahead and you ask them, carry blackened, and you will indeed be buying it, and you'll be happy that you did. My sponsors are awesome. Uh, we have delivered an awesome month, I believe, for our sponsors in terms of exposure, in terms of uh, uh imprints and whatever they call these views or on Twitter. We, we, we've had a huge audience boom in just the last 28 days, adding over a thousand subscribers. So thanks to all of you for supporting me to anyone who's dropped any coinage in the jingle jangle ganja jar. That means an awful lot. What means just as much as you going out and supporting my sponsors. That is a great way to make sure that this show keeps on a chugging and growing and it certainly is doing that so i thank all of you very very much uh baseball the giants had the day off on thursday the a's took the day off in detroit and lost nine nothing to the tigers the a's are in boston friday today and uh we got the rockies in town taking on the giants and oh what do you know ross stripling is back with an 0-2 record and a 6-5-1 ERA. He obviously has been a huge afterthought in this season. We've hardly seen him, and what we have seen, we haven't really liked to see it. So, Ross Stripling, it's about that time. If you're going to join this team and do something, why not start today? Why not get the Giants a win over the Colorado Rockies in the last three-game series before the end of baseball's first half? Austin Gomber, who's got a losing record, and he's got an ERA over six and a half. Uh, he's going. So Ross Stripling set the tone. I'm not afraid to shop at Ross. It's like the best socks, T-shirt, underwear store you can find. Uh, I'll get a belt at Ross, too. I don't believe in investing heavily in belts. No one ever really notices your belt other than are you wearing a belt. No one's, like, checking for quality. Just, just the stuff. The stuff at Ross. I'll even pick up some frying, like cooking equipment at Ross. Not afraid. Not afraid of Ross at all. Should we be afraid of Ross Stripling? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Just three games left before the All-Star break. Like clunky throwaway t-shirts, shorts that you don't really care about being seen in, whether or not you just need them to go mow the lawn. Ross down with Ross, Ross Posse. Um, I saw that Phoenix could hit 120 degrees today, 126 degrees measured in Death Valley. They actually found a dead hiker. That's how hot it is. People are like dropping dead, but uh, 126 degrees in Death Valley, like that's where it gets like ooh, surface of the sun hot. Um, and that's why no one lives in Death Valley. People live in Phoenix. They do. I've seen it. 120 degrees this weekend in Phoenix. I saw someone say it was 104 like last night at, at 9 p.m. Oh, my God. It's a dry heat. I, I, I would at least hope so. Imagine it being 120 and muggy. Oh, my God saw that the earth might hit, hit its unofficial all-time high this week in terms of global temperature. We're seriously just doing a bang-up job with this planet, aren't we? Just, just, just great job all around, everyone. You're really nailing it. Good Lord.
that's just that's that's way too hot. That's way too hot. So anyone who's living in Phoenix, Texas, we, we got cities that are like melting. We got people out there melting these days. So good luck to you. Get some ice cubes. A story that came out this week that I haven't had a chance to get to, but I want to get to today, and we will be getting to all your comments, by the way, in Club Plus. And by the way, here's the thing. There's so many comments going on. There's so much of a conversation happening, and that's awesome. But I miss more than half of it by the time I get to Club Plus. So if you want your combo to be in Club Plus, wait till Club Plus starts before you really throw it in that chat section. Um. The Saudi Sports Investment Group might be coming round for more. Saw this on Pro Football Talk. Last year, Saudi Arabia's PIF, Public Investment Fund, you know, set up its own golf league, became live, and eventually put themselves in such a financially superior situation that the PGA had no real other recourse, according to the PGA, than joining forces with this league whose money went to infinity. You know, when you've got a league that is no longer dependent on attention or TV contracts for having money that goes to infinity, that becomes a threat. And, you know, Pro Football Talk was basically saying, what if they decided to ever get into something like bigger than golf? And according to the Financial Times and Sports Business Daily, Saudi Arabia plans to launch a multi-billion dollar investment company in order to, quote, expand its sports interests following its power grab in golf. The sports group will be part of the public investment fund, and it will have a war chest to fund its expansion. The targets will be soccer, tennis, and other sports. Dun, dun, dun. How much money do you think Saudi Arabia would need to start its own rival football league, building its own billion-dollar stadiums? What if they what what if they said to Patrick Mahomes, forget about what the Chiefs are paying you, we'll double it? What if they said to any rookie coming out of school, uh, forget about going to the NFL, we will guarantee you a 10-year, multi-million dollar contract, which the NFL would never do, and we'll do that right now for you, and we have money that goes to infinity to throw at whatever problems no one paying attention to our league might present, and we're going to buy talent away from the NFL. What would it really take? to get the NFL to come to the negotiating table. What would it take? What would it take for the league that says no foreign investors to say, all right, we are going to start taking foreign investors. And the one thing that has been proven throughout every moment of our history is once you start taking the money that doesn't stop, there's no stop in taking it. There's no stopping in an avalanche of dollars 
when it comes to the greedy owners that own sports leagues. Wait until you see the jingoistic, we would never, no way, we honor the military, we honor America, we honor the passing and death of Pat Tillman to, yeah, we'll take a few billion dollars from the Saudis if you want to have a piece of Team XYZ in the NFL. It's going to happen. Find me... Find me the slice of the world where most of amount of money isn't winning. Find it for me. It doesn't exist. The most amount of money wins. And the person sitting at the table with the most amount of money, whether they just got here, whether they've been able to invest all of their money or just a little slice of their money, the person with the most amount of money at the table is in charge of the table. That's how it works. What will the NFL do if the Saudi Arabia uh, public investment fund was denied an entry point into investing in NFL teams? Would they really create something that was the XFL but with legs, the AFL but with, but with real legs because they're getting real talent? What if there were another draft well well people wouldn't be interested in that they're still addicted to the nfl and they wouldn't be interested in the third league a second league because they never have been they never would be well the reason why that's always been a death nail for the other league is that other league needed revenue from tv and interest and ticket sales in order to sustain itself this could be sustained to infinity without a iota of interest. Look at what Liv just did. No one gives a rip about Liv. And yet now they have purchased and own the PGA Tour. Again, you let money that goes to infinity just get its foot in the door, that crack becomes cracked wide open really fast. So there is something certainly to keep a little eye on this year. Saw another story that was from football where Northwestern has got a hazing incident that has left its coach, its very well respected and decorated head coach, um, what, suspended for two weeks. And this is such a weird story. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, uh, or is it Fitzgerald? I'm forgetting off the top of my head, and I can't, I, I guess I didn't write it down here. I just wrote Northwestern. You're weak. Because look, hazing is a part of joining a team. Like there's good hazing and there's bad hazing. So this whole, we're never going to haze anyone thing. It just doesn't work. That's, you know, whatever HR meeting your insurance company sat through doesn't really apply to a locker room or how teams are built and hazing um, is a part of sports. It's a part of the ritual. It's a part of the passing of the baton from the older players to the newer players. Welcome to the team. This is something we all went through. You're going through it too. And, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about being abusive or physically abusive or sexually abusive or just out and outright trying to embarrass someone. I'm talking about like, you know, good, good, good hazing. And there is good hazing. Don't tell me there isn't good hazing. I've been a part of it. 
Northwestern University commissioned an investigation launched in January found that one claim from an anonymous whistleblower was supported, even though player accounts varied and there was not sufficient evidence that coaches knew about the conduct. According to an executive summary, the hazing incidents occurred in the team locker room and possibly started at Camp Kenosha, where Northwestern had spent about a week in the preseason until 2020. Quote, and this is the thing. How do you suspend your head coach when this is the quote about the investigation? Quote, the investigation did not uncover evidence pointing to specific misconduct by any individual football player or coach. Participation in or knowledge of the hazing activities was widespread across football players. So even though we don't know who was involved, there are varying reports. No one's really playing the blame game. We don't even know what happened. We can't confirm anything. We're going to suspend the head coach two weeks. Folks, the world's just gone soft. I don't know what to tell you. I, I just don't know what to tell you. Quote, Hazing in any form is unacceptable and goes against our core values at Northwestern. We strive to make the university a safe and welcoming environment for all of our students. You fucking sissies. It's a football team. The laws of normal don't apply to a football team. I can't just stress that enough. And I know that people are going to be like, Damon, you're wrong about that. Everyone needs to be treated with a level of respect. No, 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 no. You must find the weakest link on your football team and break that chain. I'm not, that's, that's how teams are built. Well, I don't like that. That doesn't hit my ear well. Go watch another sport. Go be interested in another sport. I don't know what to tell you. Hazing is a part of the ritual of football. It just is. Now, when it gets way too mean, when it gets way too physical, if it gets creepy, that's when someone needs to step in and blow a whistle. But like, oh, they taped the, you know, they 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 taped someone's locker shut and they couldn't get in their locker. Ah, hazing. Guy glued my combination shut, and I had to wear my football gear to dinner that night. Oh, it's hazing. We make freshmen get up and sing songs to entertain us at dinner. Oh, it's hazing. I'm fucking pussies. I mean, I just, I, I just don't know what to tell you, man. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just part of growing up. It's just part of being a kid. It's part of joining a team. Good Lord. I like to play the... Do you remember that name? Do you remember that name? Here's a name you may or may not remember. Do you remember the name Monet Davis? Monet Davis was at the Little League World Series in 2014, and this girl was out there mowing dudes down. Like she was throwing the Little League equivalent of 90-plus and just, just retiring dudes. And I remember her being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Monet Davis um, got the cover of Sports Illustrated. She had such an incredible College World Series, and it was the whole, look at what this girl is doing against the boys. 
And that's the part of it that people tried to leave out when they started setting her up for failure by claiming that, well, Monet Davis is definitely going to be the first women pitcher, woman pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. No, she wasn't. The reason why Monet Davis was allowed to go out and mow down those little boys playing Little League is because them little boys were like Monet Davis because they had yet to go through puberty. Once a boy goes through puberty, leaving them on the same field as you know a girl is no longer like a very fair thing to do. And if Monet Davis had designs on becoming the first pitcher in Major League Baseball. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, um, Major League Baseball would 100% sign anyone who could go out there and give them innings to do it. But obviously, we have yet to meet that female to do that. A lot of people said that she was going to be the first. And I just thought, man, they are setting up this girl to fail. Well, the story of Monet Davis still contains baseball, and it's kind of cool. Uh, the L.A. Times recently profiled her, and she's 22 years old, and she's an intern with the Dodgers. She wants to be around baseball. She just realizes she's got no chance to play baseball, so she wants to be involved in a front office. And she's an intern with the Dodgers. Quote, since eighth grade, I wanted to get into broadcasting. But over time, I learned more about the sport. I learned about the business side of the sport and to go into that direction. Well, first of all, Monet, the fact that you're choosing not broadcasting in 2023 means you are on to something because it ain't easy out there for broadcasters these days. Being laid off left and right, do not get into broadcasting. I hesitate to sit down either one of my kids in front of this microphone just to record goofy stuff for our family archives because the last thing I want is for either of my kids to ever become a broadcaster like daddy. Let daddy be a cautionary tale. But I love that. I, I love that story. Uh, the all, all of the people trying to project their sports anxiety onto that girl could have crushed her interest in sports. It didn't. It didn't. She's an intern, unfortunately, for the Dodgers. But, you know, good luck to her. I, just, I remember talking about her quite a bit back in 2014. And it's great that she is, uh, she's still around the sport. Before we get into Club Plus, I, I want to wrap up with what I... This is the worst story that I saw this week that tried to actually pass itself off as a good story. And this isn't sports, but I just got to share it with you. A couple of disclaimers before I even get into it. Um, there's always been a state-of-the-art argument. You know, what would you rather have? Tradition, experience, or state-of-the-art? Well, ideally, you'd be able to marry them all together. But if I told you, you know, we have two theaters of operation and you need an operation and we can wheel you into uh, uh, an, an operating room from the 80s or we could wheel you into an operating room that is full of the most state-of-the-art technology that you can find in medicine, which would you choose? Well, everyone, everyone would choose the state-of-the-art theater for their operation. There's a friend of mine, his name's Vishal, he is a doctor, and he and I have talked quite a bit about, you know, the future of medicine and how the pandemic just ran so many good people out of ever wanting to work in a hospital ever again, and, you know, he, he would talk about robot doctors, 
And I'm like, man, I would never get into a I would never get into a driverless car to be totally honest with you. So I certainly wouldn't entrust my life to a robot doctor. And he made the argument that it was hard to argue against. And I do love to argue, but he made the argument that was really simple. The minute you can mathematically prove that you are safer in a driverless car than you would be in a driver car because of human error representing the, 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 the difference there. As soon as the driverless robot driver is good enough to completely overcome any element of human error, and you can prove that riding in a driverless car is safer than riding in a car with a driver, as soon as you can prove that mathematically, you'll do it. And I was like, I guess. Like, I believe in the odds. I believe in math. So, yeah, if you could prove to me that a driverless car was safer than a car with a driver in it, I guess that would be the first day I would ever get in a driverless car. But you're going to have to prove it before I do it. I'm going to need everyone else to be the guinea pig on that. And I would need everyone else to be the guinea pig on the concept of, like, a robot doctor. But, again, my buddy said it's real simple. Human error is the root of basically more than half of the things that go wrong when you're in a hospital. Doctors are humans, and humans are fallible because it's who we are. Now, we're not saying that machines are infallible, but the minute you can prove statistically beyond the shadow of a doubt that going to a robot doctor would lead to you being healthier than going to a human doctor, you will go to the robot doctor. And I had to concede, yeah. Like, if you could prove to me that the robot doctor is better than the human doctor, maybe. So I tell you all that to tell you this. A woman named Emma Farge wrote uh, about a story that is coming out of Geneva about a robot called Nadine. Nadine is a social ro robot powered by AI with human-like gestures and expressions, and it could have an important future role in playing uh, to tend to the sick and elderly, according to a professor that helped invent it. Nadia Minolt Thalman is her name, a robot expert from the University of Geneva who served as the model for Nadine's dark brown eyes and auburn hair, says Nadine and robots could prove more effective than human caretakers. The first thing she said was, you know, like a lot of people didn't want to be in nursing homes when the pandemic hit. But guess what? The robot's got no problems with that. And here's another thing the robot does. The robot works 24 hours a day. As long as that battery is charged, that robot is in there working, taking care of grandma and grandpa. Global competition for nurses and careers is officially up, especially after COVID-19, says the story. And some countries are experiencing a staffing crisis in care homes, which some think humanoid robots could one day ease. Demonstrating its conversational skills, Nadine told Reuters that uh, she talked, she sang, she played bingo with residents at a Singapore nursing home. 
three years ago. So this has been happening for three years, and these robots are becoming more and more lifelike. But I just, you know, they're trying to pass this off as a good story. Can you think of anything more depressing than your dear old family member being cared for by an army of robots in a nursing home? Like, oh, my God. Like, okay, I see the merits of it, I, I, I guess. But, I mean, this isn't Rosie from the Jetsons. She doesn't really care. She's not really there to, oh, like, uh, they pass that off as like, oh, this is a good story of better days to come. I can't think of anything sadder than a room full of old people being surrounded by humanoids who are the only ones left to care for them. Oh, my God. I think I need a sip of the day. Hold on. How's grandma and grandpa doing? Well, let's go ask uh, BX Betamax six four seven. See how see how see how it's going. Oh, I mean, I guess we could call her Nadine, and it would be a little nicer. But freaking robot! I Mrs. Mean, are, are we are we going full Blade Runner here in the next twenty years? Is that what we're doing? AI, Skynet. What if I told you Skynet wasn't invented to bring about World War Three or Four? I think we've already lost World War Three, but uh, World War Four, Skynet. That's not what AI is here to do. AI is here to take care of Aunt Betty. Oh my God! I just, what would be more depressing, an actual world war or having Aunt Betty being taken care of by a robot because that's the only one left to care for her? Oh my God! Again, that was a story that was being passed off as, isn't this a good story? And I'm reading it and I'm going, no, it, it probably isn't. And that's why we call this Damon Bruce Plus, because we're going to do a few things that aren't sports along the way. And I just, I had to sneak that one in there. Now it's officially time to sneak into the club. Are you feeling it? Are you getting ready for a little club plus? I hope you are. I'm certainly ready to take you there. And so I want to say thank you so much for listening this week. If you're on the podcast, it means an awful lot that you're here. We'll be back with live shows. And the minute Trace Jackson Davis makes his NBA Summer League debut, we will be recapping that whenever it happens. Or we'll be back 11 o'clock on Monday right here, West Coast time, for another Damon Bruce show. Thank you so much for all of your listenership, your viewership, your support. It means the world. And in the meantime, please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.